Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Mike Singer and Mike Goolsby here from Bloom Gold with the uh, Mike Goolsby Show is back. Former Notre Dame linebacker and captain uh, is back talking all things Notre Dame football and uh, his experience this past weekend in South Bend. So appreciate you guys joining us live here at the start of the show. Make sure you hit the thumbs up on this video. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you have not yet. And uh, go to blueandgold.com, $1 for premium access for the first year or so. That gets you all the recruiting information, access to our staff, um, you get the best community of Notre Dame fans in our loose emoji message, message board. Um, dollar for one year premium access. Can't beat it. Appreciate you guys watching back on YouTube. Um, if, if you're not with us live, appreciate you guys listening via podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Mike, how the heck are you, sir? I'm really good, buddy. It's great to see you, though we didn't get a chance to share a beer this past weekend. I know we were both busy. But yeah, it's great to be back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're yeah we're both in South Bend this weekend for much different reasons. But um, yeah, I was there seeing recruits and um, I don't know. I can't I can't share all my secrets. But Mike, let let's talk about your weekend in South Bend first. It was the Notre Dame football legacy alumni weekend, I believe they titled it. How mm-hmm. I mean, there's what three hundred some odd alums there, right? All, all former football players. Yeah, so it's yes to answer your question. And apparently, I heard maybe halfway through the weekend that they actually capped it at 300. So there were so many of us ex football alums that were uh, chomping at the bit to get back to campus that eventually they had to cap it. So hopefully, that next year goes from the number next year goes from 300 to, you know, 500. We'll see. And it's also interesting, too, because, uh, it's one of these things where it's like, we got to make sure we got everybody's correct email addresses and X players got to share the kind of spread the word. So, but it was great. Um, they opened up practice to the guys that kind of started to trickle in Thursday morning. The weather was uh, vintage South Bend weather, uh, but the practice was in the stadium. So that was nice. Got, got, a, got a chance to talk to Mike Golick Jr. Got a chance to catch up with Brady Quinn. And um, the practice was more kind of a, high tempo walkthrough, which was to be expected. And then Thursday evening, when then we kind of did a self-guided tour of campus because I hadn't been back in five, six years. And it's like, every time you come back, it's you're almost lost because this street is now a sidewalk and there's new buildings popping up left and right. So did a little bit of a self-guided tour. Um, and then Thursday night, they had a uh, a dinner with the current players, which was great. So we'll probably talk into that in detail. Yep. And then Friday they had a golf outing and Mike, shockingly, I'm not a golfer. So I skipped out on that and I went and uh, got a lift in, in the weight room. Coach Bayless was gracious enough to let a couple of us go back in and shut up and train. Yeah. So, yeah. So we kind of snuck in there Thursday during our tour and um, just say, Hey coach, hate to bother, but, 
can we get a lift in tomorrow? And he's like, yeah, come at this time. And he was super gracious. He's a Chicago guy and uh, a bit of a Mickey Marathi disciple who was my strength coach at my time at ND. So that was all, that was a really cool experience. Ryan Grant, who's a former co-captain of mine and you know, had a nice little, like, a great little NFL career. So he was in there as well. And then uh, Friday night was just a, a kind of a prolonged cocktail hour with the, with the former players. Coaches were in the mix, uh, kind of in the stadiums. So that was cool. And then went out to the bar afterwards, and the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> you have to tell me a little bit more about this uh, this meeting with uh, or, or this workout with Bayless. I mean, well, I mean, was was he leading the workout or? I mean, no, like... no, 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 no. It was no. just okay. Uh, okay. No, so we went in there just because it was actually I, I my ex-teammate Kyle Buddensack was a defensive end for us. He came in from New York and he was like, do you think they'd let us work out? And then I kind of poo-pooed the idea, but then we're like, well, screw it. Let's go check out the, the, the football facility. So got in there and then, um, yeah, just knocked on coaches, uh, coach Bayless's door and just politely asked. And we, he kind of shot the, you know, just kind of shot the shit with us for a little bit. Awesome guy, vintage strength coach. Um, I told him how much, you know, we've all probably seen that clip, or a lot of us have seen that clip talking to his team after he was retained by Coach Freeman where he said, you know, I want to die here. And I was just – I kind of shared that with Coach Bayless, like how special that was and, you know, still kind of gives me goosebumps to this day. So, yeah, it was it was a, just an open gym, just got a little lift in, ran around, got, you know – just kind of being silly, but it was fun. That's sweet. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, any other coaches that you, you know, got to talk with, you know, that, you know, impressed you, you know, did you get to talk with Freeman? I talked or? to coach, talked to coach golden a little bit, said, what's up to coach Reese. I didn't want to bother coach Freeman. Honestly, he was mixing it up at that Friday night kind of cocktail hour with the former players, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies, uh, but there were no babies. And I honestly, Mike, he was doing so much talking and moving. I like, I felt compelled, like ask him if he needed a bottle of water just cause he was you know running around like that. But um, he spoke to us, coach Freeman spoke to us, former players Thursday night and kind of what his ask, uh, his ask of current players is and his expectations. This is prior to the, his ask of former players, this is prior to the the current kids getting ushered in. And his big – my takeaway was share with these kids, the current kids, what you wish somebody had told you when you were in their shoes. So that kind of resonated with me. And I got a chance to – I mean, I probably had, you know, you know me, dude. I had like 10, 15 conversations with current players. So part of me is trying to do that kind of mentor role and share things that I wish I had known. And then the other part of me is trying to – figure out what's going on, you know, as far as football specific. So it was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we, we could probably talk a little bit about that. Cause that was as me, you know, it's, it's as a trainer and it was, it was kind of fun for me to get a chance to kind of size up some of these kids and put a, put a, put a frame to a, a, a Jersey number. That right. was, that was really a fascinating exercise for me. Okay. So everything I hear about Freeman from anyone who, talks to him in person is just, you know, just how genuine he is. So just like being there this weekend, like, are you kind of on a Marcus Freeman high right now more than ever? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's authentic as hell. He's charismatic. 
um, he's, he, he, I just, I'm always, my big takeaway every time I listen to him speak and then being around him a little bit this weekend, again, grant, I didn't want to bother him, but is the level of composure, especially for a guy that's 36 years old. Um, all of the things he's being asked to do and all the directions he's being pulled, like this is his first spring game and we keep bothering him for interviews on the field. Just the poise that he has while still maintaining that, that character and that charisma is super impressive. Yeah. So we're eight minutes in. We haven't even got to anything on our script yet. Uh, Cause I keep asking these follow-up questions. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been saying, Mike, that I don't know if the dude can coach as a head coach yet. Like, we'll put the Fiesta Bowl aside. You know, that was, that was a, you know, just a whole crazy ex- few weeks there for him. But the dude is leading this program in a really good direction. Just It just seems like he's just doing a really nice job. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, w- w- was the alumni weekend, like, you, you feeling that way? I mean, is it just... Like, man, like Mar- Marcus Freeman's just doing and saying all the right things. Yeah, absolutely. But doing the right things and it's – yes, we'll, we'll grant him that. And some of the – one of the right things categorically, it's obviously game planning, X's and O's, right? So that's kind of TBD to be determined. But like opening up the – the program to alums, to football alums, like it's such an obvious move to make for any of the previous head coaches that were in his role that they never pulled the trigger and did. And it's just like, gosh, why wouldn't you do that? And I've talked before on the, on, on air, Mike, with you about how big some of these coaches egos can be and oftentimes need to be. But as an ex player, like if you, if you don't feel welcome or any sort of a warm response to come back like that talks to like ego to me that like this coach has such a big ego. He doesn't want any other sort of influence or doesn't want to bother with the past. And that flies in the face of a lot of what Notre Dame is about in terms of like, you can't have, you can't tout Notre Dame's tradition on the recruiting trail, but then have a closed door policy to former players that it's in direct contrast with one another, but yeah, he's doing all the right things. And then namely Mike, is on the recruiting trail. Like he's yeah. killing it with this 2023 class. There were recruits there this weekend. Um, and it's just the name of the game with college football. Now it's like football isn't that complicated. Um, and you got to have the athletes. And we've talked about that for two years now, over two years, Mike, it's like, we're missing kids at these, these handful of different spots. And that's really where the optimism for me personally comes from is what he's doing as far as the right things on the recruiting trail. All right. So if you're joining us live here, if you have a question you want to drop Mr. Ghouls to Mr. Goolsby, um, give us a super chat and uh, we'll make sure we get to it. Um, otherwise uh, you're, you're at my, you know, behest, if that's the right word. Yeah. You just up, up, up to me if I want to take a question or not. So drop a super chat um, about spring game, about the uh, alumni legacy weekend. Make sure you guys hit the thumbs up. So, I think you got if, if I remember my if my memory serves me correctly, they emailed you guys about this what January or February about this. So when you first get that email, Legacy Weekend, they have the itinerary for you guys. What's your first reaction? Because I, I think you had mentioned earlier, 
maybe it was when we before we started recording that like you, you hit up some of your buddies like hey you guys gonna go to this like what, I mean, what are we thinking this is kind of different so i guess why did you decide to come back this weekend i would say yeah i absolutely reached out to former teammates who's going to be able to make it scheduling wise but why did i come back um my sentiment was it was like coach freeman put up the bat symbol bat signal excuse me and i was like yeah so that and i talked to a I shoot probably 10 other football alums and it was the same thing. It was like, none of us were like, yeah, Notre Dame spring game. But it was like when the head coach of Notre Dame calls you to come back, it's like, of course I'm going to meet him halfway. And that's what it was. It was like, if we want to continue this trend of having more of an open door policy with the, with the current program, you've got to meet coach halfway. And that was my motivation. And I think a lot of other guys shared that as well. Can you show me your shirt, Mike? Tell oh. us about it. Oh yeah, they gave us some uh, some gear. It's just you know that classic. I can't figure out the angle, and then it's just got a little <laughs> just alumni relations, you know. So okay. yeah, it was cool, man. It was cool, and I Hunter Biven too. You know, Coach Freeman's obviously going to get a lot of credit as he should for putting this weekend on, but I think Hunter Biven legitimately knocked it out of the park. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just uh, – you know, the other thing, Mike, I'll tell you, like that's kind of sneaking into the weight room. You almost had to catch yourself being like, oh, we're sneaking back into the weight room. Hope we don't get in trouble. And I was like, well, wait a minute. That's why we're here. That's what this weekend's all about. And Coach Bayless, you know, was gracious. And he was like, hey, man, thanks for coming back. And I was like, oh, it's a totally different – completely different shift in terms of like how you feel as an ex player. Does that make sense? Like, are they going to call security on me? It's like, of course not. You know, you're an ex captain, like, right. Um, So that was kind of interesting to sort of witness and kind of live. Yeah. I don't know, Mike, if you got to watch my uh, interview with Chris Zorich. Um, I can't remember which former player he told me it was, but um, it was in the Kelly area, the Kelly era and a former Notre Dame player. One of these in the nineties or so, like, tried to get in and was told no like it's just like yeah that's uh it man kelly kind of going off script a little bit kelly's really been showing his ass here recently between like game day i want to get your thoughts on game day mass coming back because i didn't know that that they weren't doing game day mass anymore so it's like freeman's alumni inclusion game day mass these things are back at Notre Dame. And that kind of makes it, you look at Brian Kelly, like, why, why weren't you doing that? And then you look at all the stuff he's been doing and saying about Notre Dame and, you know, is, is grinding on the recruits. Like he just, he's kind of a uh, Ross Brown or Jay Golden says, um, is Ross Brown in that, in that uh, story. Thank you. Um, so yeah. Any, any, any thoughts there, Mike? Um, Hey, listen, it's like a bad breakup with coach Kelly it's like we're dating our, our new girlfriend, yeah. You know our new our new partner. Uh, don't want to offend anybody nowadays, but it's like our new partner. It's like we're better off. So at a certain point, dude, it's all water under the bridge. But it's absolutely. Please don't we take talk the high road. A, Come on, man. Nah, I'm telling you, man. That's like I, I've said it on the podcast. I just never felt he never felt like an endearing coach to me. Um, you yep that is that, yep you've said that. I mean, I said that before he kind of laughed like, and I, I saw him like in one of his interviews, 
this is after he passed Coach Rockney for being the all-time winningest coach, and he was like, they asked him something about how does he measure success, and in that moment in time, he needed to say, I won't consider myself successful unless I can win a national championship in Notre Dame. You can go back. I think NBC did the interview. And what he said was, I judge success by getting the most out of my players, which is such a fuck lame, it's such a, such a lame response and very telling to me. Cause it's like, it's, it's a completely political response where it's like, well, if so-and-so only catches 30 balls, it's like, well, I did my job as a coach cause that's the best he could do. It's, it's a, it's a, a great non-answer response. Um, so yeah, it's, it's water under the bridge, but I do think, I do think coach Kelly, you know, walking around the stadium, he brought it back to life in terms of like, like playing music at the stadium, like the jumbotron, like lots of this stuff. Talking about Freeman? It seems, no, well, Kelly introduced oh, a okay. lot of this okay. stuff, right? So it was good for the program. Uh, and years ago, I wrote an article for some Notre Dame publication. This is prior to blue and gold. And the gist of, and it was the, the sent, the, the article was centered around like, should we have a jumbotron in the stadium or not? And the gist of my art, my article, and it's, uh, it's a great point to make. What is Notre Dame's biggest tradition out of like going to mass, painting the helmets, yada, 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 right? There's so many traditions um, that, that are part of Notre Dame's football program, but the biggest tradition Mike Singer is winning, winning, right? So do whatever we need to do as a football program to continue that tradition of winning. Pre-game mass, I have mixed feelings about it. Okay. Yeah, I was kidding with uh, I was kidding with my you know former teammates and ex ex football guys. Like during my time at Notre Dame, I was tired a lot. <laughs> I was like just tired because class practice, our workouts were like Mickey Marotti. Everything was to failure, so you're just in a perpetual state of exhaustion. It seemed. And then it's like you'd go into a pregame mass and a lot of guys would be asleep. And I don't think going to a pregame mass before you're about to bang heads with specifically for a day game. Um, you know, you wake up and you get dressed and you're like you're sitting in a mass, although it's beautiful. I'm 18 years Catholic school over here, a bit of a lapsed Catholic, Mike. But if I'm getting ready to bang heads with Michigan's fullback, I don't want to be in a position where I could like kind of fall asleep during a mass. So I like the mass, but maybe there's a little bit of nuance to it. I, I, I don't know. Maybe you hold, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I don't have the answer. Yeah. But maybe, I, for that, I, I, maybe for that two thirty kickoff, it's a, you know, evening before or night game or something like that. Yeah. Or something maybe. like that. Yeah. If it's, yeah. yeah, those early kickoffs, it's just, uh, you kind of, cause you kind of wake up with a buzz. We're about to go kick ass and then you have to like bring it back down and then start it back up. It, you know, that's my, that's, you know, again, I don't mean to sound sacrilege, sacrilegious, no, but I it's just like, as, it's a football game. You know what I mean? You got to get up for it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We brought back the DJ air horn, Mike. Uh, I don't think it ever left, dude. It did for a little bit. Um, but, uh, all right. Um, let's just get to these. We, we're not done with the football legacy weekend, uh, but we're going to go ahead and get to a few super chats um, we're going to skip this one because we, we have plenty of Drew Pine to talk about. Any Davis says, I always said Drew Pine was the perfect backup. I, I want to say you're being a little sarcastic because uh, I, I know Nick and uh, he's a big Drew Pine. We're going to get into that, Nick. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get into that. Um, Garth Cassidy says, did you get a chance to size up the linebackers? And uh, what did you think of the freshman and junior two Halamaka? 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Absolutely. And size up is the perfect word. Um, and Garth, yeah, like that player's dinner where, you know, these guys walk in in suits. That's a lot of what I was trying to do is just like, oh, that's Tosh Baker. Let me go talk to him. And you can kind of just get a, a sense for people's, you know, like I said, yeah, sizing them up. Um, and I can kind of jump into that, Mike, but like the kid that stood out physically the most from a linebacker perspective is Josh Burnham in that he's huge, like, dude, super broad shoulders. He looks like a superhero. So they moved him. He to looks Viper. like a super, he looked, I know I'm, I'm aware, oh, okay, I'm aware okay. but like, it's like Josh Burnham and I'm broad, right? Like I have broader shoulders. Like Josh Burnham was like damn near as broad as me as an 18, 19 year old kid. But the thing was. His waist, dude, he has like a 30-inch waist. So he's got these huge, broad shoulders. He looked like a like a, like an action figure, um, which was crazy. So, yeah, Maris looks great. Um, talked to a lot of linebackers. I talked to Will Schweitzer for a little bit. Um, and I'm just going to run through my list of people that, like, hopefully um, viewers and listeners, subscribers kind of live vicariously through me. So, like, Josh Burnham, I know they moved him to Viper because he's not, to me, even on his high school tape. Remember I told you he was a little bit of an enigma for me, Mike? Yep, I remember that. Yep. And I saw I saw the appeal, but I was like, eh, he just didn't look like a – so I don't know if he's, like, twitchy enough in terms of short area quickness to, like, play linebacker. Like a, a So maybe that Viper is going to be a better fit for him based off of his size. Um. But I like I'm looking at his body type, bro. I'm like he could be a hell of a tight end because I know he understands the offense. So like it just that seems like a more natural fit to me versus like taking an ex quarterback and trying to make him a rush end. And I haven't really been wrong about many of these position switch things. Um, talk, got a chance to talk to Justin Walters because he's a Bolingbrook kid, not from yep. Joliet, Illinois, so we're neighboring uh, cities there. Super impressive dude. I'm rooting for him. I loved his highlight film, like the 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 physicality he played with and i thought that he balled a little bit during the spring game so i was super happy for him very impressive kid um and a lot of the things that i talked with him i was like man how'd it go and he's like i man i was like i was like you know you haven't i was like you killed it on high in high school like what you know what what do you think's missing he's like man i just had to learn he's like i had to slow down it's a playbook right yeah and then so it's great to see him uh jason anye is just like, you know, one of those characters you draw up in Madden. Um, unfortunately for Jason, during the blue and gold game, he had one of those white uh, kind of cover-up things, whatever they're called. Pennies. So yeah. you could – what do you call them? Like a penny, like a little, little yeah, mesh thing over it. him? Yeah, the little mesh, the white mesh thing, so you couldn't really see his number. And when he did flash, he didn't really get a lot of recognition. Number 47 in your program, number one in your hearts. But I thought he looked great in person, and he looked real slippery. Reminded me of a guy – uh, Daryl Campbell that I played with way back when. Um, the, the One of the kids that stood out the most in person, dude, was uh, Estime. I mean, if you told me that Estime was 250, I would believe you. He's so deep 
in terms of his chest, like front to back, it was just like, oh my, I mean, he literally stood out like out of everybody in the room. I was like, who is that kid? Like, I mean, he's just built like a shit brick house. Um, and it's crazy because you think about a kid like Estime, he's just this downhill bruiser or whatever. And a lot of his runs during this, during the actual game, he showed a nice, nice balance, nice elusiveness, but physically he's a super impressive dude. Uh, a guy actually got to eat, you know, they sat Riley Mills at my table, sweetheart of a kid, kind of let him know that like, you know, dude, you've gotten incrementally better. Did year they to year. put a lot you of with us, all these, um, Mills they did it based off of right? industry, Mike. So I'm in sales. So I'm in sales. So they oh, put okay. like kids that are looking to get into quote unquote outside sales with salespeople, finance people, finance people, you name it. Right. I was going to say that so um, far you got, uh, Walters and Mills, you got a couple Chicago guys. You know, I was just kind of seeking that out. Like I, I had a nice conversation with Will Schweitzer for some reason. Talked to uh, – he just happened to kind of slide in next to me. I talked to him. Talked to Lorenzo Styles, Super impressive kid. He walked up to me. He's like, what do you do? Like he was working the room, you know. Um, again, super impressive kid. Talked to John uh, – excuse me, John Mayer. Michael Mayer. I'll say this, dude. <laughs> uh like that team, they're almost like when you're around them, like they're all beautiful athletes. Like they're long, like they're like they have cleaned up bodies, you know. And I kind of talk with Coach Bales about his approach with that, where it's, it's it's almost like they look like a big basketball team. Like Tosh Baker talked with him, um, but Michael Mayer, dude, is like a bona fide stud. You know, yeah. like he's just a stud. Uh, I'm gonna tell you, Mike. I don't. Mike Mayer is one of those guys who's probably good at every single sport he picked. Like, I bet he's never picked up a tennis racket than he does, and he's really good. Like, I don't like people like that. They piss me off because I'm not like that. But I digress. I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm kidding, but continue. But I'm just saying, like, uh, it's like they're like, it's like, are these guys like Abercrombie models, or are they? Is this like a football team? Like, they're all just studs, you know? Yeah. And they're, they're, it's so, um, and it's it's stuff like that, like in interaction like that. It's like you almost wish as a former player that more college football fans would pay more attention to Notre Dame because what Notre Dame is doing for these kids and how they kind of mold them. I mean, it's, it's palpable. So that was a really, really cool experience. Uh, I thought the kids did a great job. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was kind of the, the gist of that. Now. Yeah. Well, it's, you, and then I, I, I intentionally tried to seek out Drew Pine and stand next to him. So I was just like, how big or how little is he? You know, and it was more the latter. I mean, he's a he's a tiny person. So, yeah. Anyway, you, you it was just said, something else that jumped out jumped out to me. I think it was the show after the Alabama college football playoff game we did, and you said Drew Pine just looks like a Notre Dame student. Yeah, I thought it was like security was going to ta- like tackle him. Like, who did this kid? Is this he like imp- uh, uh, an imposter or something? Like under center out there, but um. Yeah. And then, like, I just I need to say this because, like, I haven't heard anybody talk about this, but all spring, Drew's been, like, exposing his belly during practice. And then he did it during the spring game, which I thought was so tacky. And we've talked about our mutual respect for Colin Cowherd. Colin Cowherd loves to talk about the backwards hat guy uh, at the quarterback position. Mike, could you could you elaborate, like, what what's your take on the backwards hat guy? What is Colin getting at? So Colin's getting at, like, 
don't don't look like Mike Singer with this. You know, it's actually not too bad right now. Like, look professional, right? I have a neck beard often, but as soon as I started saying that, Andrew Luck did too, and Colin was a big Andrew Luck guy. But that's besides the point. Like, present yourself as take it seriously like a professional yeah we want to take you seriously and uh baker mayfield's a backwards hat guy and he doesn't like backwards hat kind of guys but my favorites you know when brady actually wore one but colin didn't say anything about that but um yeah so i well brady Brady, it was but like matt stafford was one he would talk about matt stafford being a backwards hat guy and as matt stafford's matured and grown as a player and as a person like that hat faces forward now and i just thought like drew pine like with your belly hanging out it was just like and it's this is a little thing but like if i'm a captain on that team i'd be like bro pull your freaking shirt down you look like an asshole and you did and i just i don't i don't understand why he would do that it's like drawing attention to himself he's the only player on the team doing it and it doesn't make me take you seriously it's like you're and I see this here living in Nebraska, Mike. It's like all these Huskers, the current Nebraska Husker football program, these kids are growing mullets. They work out. They post these, you know, Nebraska football posts these videos on Twitter, like guys working out indoors in the air conditioning with their shirts off in the weight room. It's like you're not a good enough football program to work out with your shirts off indoors, you clown. You're not good enough to grow a mullet, right? And it's like it's the same thing with Drew Pine. Like pull your shirt down. I just thought it was such a bad look giving him the opportunity to become a leader and do what he could to seize that job. And he comes out there with his gut hanging out. It was such a bad look. And then to play poorly, uh, I don't think it was very tactful on his part. And it sort of annoyed me, yep. clearly. Yeah, we will get into the uh, the play here in a minute. Uh, I think we had a couple more super chats. Um, Anthony first asks me uh, what I'm drinking. Um, I'm drinking a Bolton Landing cream ale. Saw a little beer. Delicious. Yeah. Delicious, huh? Yeah, saw a little beer. I like it. Uh, and then uh, Anthony also asked, um, what do you think your NIL value would have been during your recruitment? He said, uh, thanks for the uh, Blue and Gold Weekend information. Thoughts on how would have NIL impacted your recruitment, Mike? I don't, that's a really tough question to answer because, and then we talked about this with some ex players, you know, over the weekend, my, my family and I were so naive and so green. I don't think we would have known, we would have been so afraid of like breaking any rules or something. I don't think we could have dipped our toe into it. Uh, But I, I don't know. I mean, if I was a top 100 player, you know, whatever, I'm sure it would have been worth something. Which you were, you were a five star according to ESPN. Yeah, so um, I don't know, man. I mean, we weren't we weren't gonna. Notre Dame is a tough school to turn down, and I don't know if fifty grand this way or a hundred grand that way would have made a difference. But uh, it's fun to, you know, if I could get some retroactive money, that'd be cool too. I think we're making. I hit Mike. We're shirt. making up. We're making up for it on the podcast. You know. Yeah, and and you know he got some free stuff at the. <laughs> You got a shirt, so for sure, for sure. All right, um, yeah. We if you have a question for Goolsby, I have a few queued up for if we have some time later in the show. But if you have a question for Goolsby, drop a super chat, and we will get it to it right away. And anything else about a Legacy Weekend? I think we touched on everything we were going to, Mike. Who you met with? What you to- it, did? We touch on what you told some of the players, like what your message to them was. 
no, we haven't touched on that, but that's great. You brought that up. So in like my, yeah, well my, in my training with kids, like you're always trying to sort of peel apart the layers and like, you're trying to, you know, ultimately get them to trust you as their kind of coach slash mentor. So like I'm having a six minute conversation with Bo Bauer. I talked to Bo Bauer. I'm like, bro, we played the same position. Why haven't you taken it yet? Like, why haven't you just seized it definitively? Why haven't you become the guy? And that's what I was trying to work through with some of these kids just as an ex-player, like hopefully maybe giving them something. And I don't know, man, but giving them something outside of the norm for them to consider. Like, what is it going to take for me? Like I shared that with Justin Walters. Like, here's some things that you might consider that maybe you haven't thought about as a guy that's trying to climb the depth chart. Um, yeah, I talked to Michael Mayer about losing weight, you know, and he was like, yep, going to lose like six pounds. I'm like, good. Cause I, to me, he needs to lose a couple pounds. Um, hmm. so yeah, it was just kind of taking it. I guess that was my main thing was again, going back to what coach Freeman had asked us to do as ex players is share stuff that you wish that somebody would have told you when you're in their, their roles. And it's like, when you're sitting there second string on a depth chart, it's like, man, what is it going to take for me to break through? And my big message was them is like, you just have to earn the coach's trust, generally speaking. And here's a couple different little, maybe creative things that you can do. And sometimes little things add up to big things. Was there anyone that mentioned the Mike Goolsby show in your work here at Blue and Gold? Not current players, no, but there are plenty of former players that, uh, that's another cool, yeah, yeah. So there was, you know, I bumped into some fans at the bar that are obviously going to watch you know, hardcore fans that came in from out of state want to take pictures and stuff. So a couple of co- former players came up to me and they were like, I really appreciated the way you played the game, which made me feel cool um, and gives you some validation, you know? And then there was a lot of, uh, I'd say maybe half a dozen, Mike, like um, former players, older guys that like would just walk by and be like, hey man, really like the podcast. So I'm like, well, we try most times, most days we try. So that was cool. Nice. Yeah, I was in yeah. South Bend this weekend. I think I'd maybe forty people walk up and um, tell me to get lost. <laughs> yeah, so no one... t- typical, typical Saturday for you then. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had anyone be like, "Hey, I know you from uh, from YouTube or for Blue and Gold ever." My well, keep at it. But, keep at it. You but know, the... Ashton. I had, I had like a... a week. Someone noticed her, so I don't know. Poor Mike Singer. I don't know what to tell you, Mike. All right, <laughs> moving on. I would say, generally speaking, generally speaking, bro, you're a more approachable person than me. So, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> all right, um, we we do have another super chat, which uh, we will go ahead and uh, let's pop this bad boy in the screen. Um, Garth says, uh, "You said you had a chance to talk to Brady Quinn. Um, did he mention the fund project that NIL collective deal, Mike? And then any other, uh, you know?" conversations with with Quinn or can you shed any light on what you guys talked about not necessarily I don't really care to but yeah uh I'm super appreciative of a guy like Brady with all the things that he's done and all the things that he juggles um and again dude just rock like just he's a stud Brady Quinn's an absolute stud so for him to kind of get in front of this and take ownership of that I think all of us should be grateful um, and he, you know, with some of the pull or some of the sway that he has, uh, I don't really care to get in like particulars and anything, but it's, uh, it's a great idea. And I think the, the element of kind of giving back, 
again, it's just like that speaks kind of to what Notre Dame is about. And um, one thing that I haven't discussed, and this is just a general, a bigger picture NIL conversation is like, you know, this quarterback down at the University of Tennessee that's, what did he get paid, Mike, offhand, several million dollars? Yeah, it's supposed to be some kind of contract where he can make up to $8 million. But that dude walks into a locker room as a true freshman, uh, and you've got the haves and the have-nots in terms of the NIL deal. That's not good for a football program, um, especially with young men. It's just in football being a team game, that, that could get messy in a locker room. So I think kind of the way Notre Dame's going about it, is better suited for a, a you know a team environment. Dude's making more than some of the coaches, like for, for real. So and there's no way an 18 year old kid can like. So we're talking about like uh, Arch Manning. Is Arch Manning going to live up to the hype? It's like well, remains to be seen. That's just hype based off of recruiting and you know his family lineage and stuff. But now you actually bring cold hard cash into the equation with some of these higher, higher level recruits. And it's like, I don't know if a true freshman can live up to an $8 million a, a deal, like NIL deal. It's just, it's going to be introduce a really strange dynamic to these locker rooms, kids transferring in, transferring out. So I'm glad that Notre Dame's doing it. I'm glad that Brady's kind of leading the charge, being the tip of the spear. Um, so I guess that's probably what I've got to say about that. Okay, cool. All right. Um, expectations. Like, I want to talk about the spring game and that, like, going into it, what should the expectations be? Because, yes, we're very low. You know, I say we as a, like a Notre Dame community, we're, we're not very excited right now about Drew Pine. But should we, like, is, is that fair right now? Belly button thing aside, Mike, like, is it fair to just be like, well, Drew Pine's just not the guy at all based on the spring game? And kind of forgetting the Wisconsin and, and Cincinnati games last year. We talked a little bit about this before we started recording. Uh, and I know I'm kind of setting you up um, by supporting Drew from me. But just curious, like, I don't know, is it fair to be, you know, totally off the Drew Pine bandwagon based on, you know, the spring game and all the things like, you know, he's playing on both teams. He didn't know that until like the day before. You know, or a couple days before, because the, the the Buckner injury, and he's got like six walk on tight ends, you know, in his offense, and a makeshift offensive line that keeps getting false starts, and he's got like five scholarship receivers that are healthy. So I don't know, Mike. What, what, you clearly know how I think after after all that. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I think, uh, generally speaking, the spring game, from the coach's perspective, it doesn't really matter like you you're trying to get out of there without any additional injuries coming out of spring and you would say that at that point most of the hay is in the barn um in terms of like prep work and evaluation i think you know i have a one of my kids is at oregon right and he's competing for a starting corner job and it's like hey man like 
they're not going to like over coaches aren't going to overly evaluate the spring game. But at the same time, if you play really, really well, you can start kind of a new conversation or expand like this Buckner. If we're going to talk about Drew specifically, if he went out there and killed it in a good way, like it puts more pressure on Buckner in terms of like the media and all throughout the off season. But if you go out there and shit down your leg, um, it's like, I guess it lowers the volume on any sort of competition conversation about a competition. Right. So that, that's kind of where, that's where I'm at. I would have more patience for pine. Like I said, the, 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 the belly button, the, the gut hanging out thing shouldn't bother me the way it does, but it just does. Cause it felt like he's trying to call attention to himself and he came out there and laid an egg. I don't have, um, I don't have any, empathy or sympathy for drew and be like, oh the poor guy had to take all the reps it's like dude you're trying to compete for a quarterback job and you get all these reps handed to you even though you're playing on you know both teams i don't have any empathy or you know sympathy there whatsoever that's a you get twice the amount of opportunity to shine and then you know angeli i guess outperforming him based off of the eyeball test and even statistically there's no way that Steve was getting a ton of reps this th- throughout the course of the spring. There's no way. Cause I mean, be imp- all of those reps are going would, to Tyler. It would be impossible for him even to know the full playbook. I mean, like there's Absolutely. just no way. So no, and they didn't install, they didn't install the whole playbook. I mean, or didn't utilize most of the playbook during a spring game. Right. Cause coaches are keep it super conservative, but he executed. Um, and uh, I, you know, and then the, like, the other thing that you mentioned about drew was like, well, are we just going to, or, you know, throw out the baby with the bath water in terms of like based off what he did during the spring, or do we also want to keep in mind what he did against Cincinnati last year in Wisconsin? But as we talked about prior to going on the air, to me, the context matters. So if he's just thrust into that action in those two games, so unexpectedly, maybe he's just flying by the seat of his pants and that's where some of that kind of moxie came out. But if he had, a day or two's worth of notice that he wasn't that Tyler wasn't playing. Maybe he built up some anxiety over the course of those two days and just he didn't make the most of the opportunity that was kind of given to him. Sounds like a perfect backup then, like if if he is the the backup to Buckner. But I still I still think that there's gonna be I think they're both gonna play a lot this year. That's my uh I don't. I, Mike, I don't, I don't think you've been right about any of this quarterback bullshit throughout. <laughs> What have, have I you? been wrong about? Well, you thought that like Pine was the guy over Buckner. You liked, you know, you liked, what? yeah, yeah, yo, you absolutely like. Well, you like Jack more than 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 Tyler. You like Jack more than than Pine. Dude, you know me. I write every like I'm 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 on the fence about a lot of stuff. I don't I don't have a lot of like super strong, strong. definitive opinions. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. But that's what you're. For. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, Pine Pine's not the Pine's not going to be the guy, and I don't think anybody ever thought he was going to be the guy. I Correct. had a conversation with somebody over the weekend. They're like, "Well, Buckner can't throw the ball." It's like, what are we talking about? He had like thirty attempts, you know. So, I mean, Buckner's going to be the guy. The concern with Buckner is uh, injury concerns. That's that's kind of a concern that's why, of mine. That's why I think Pine's going to play a lot this year. We'll I see. I will say, I I, I noticed a- I noticed a. I noticed a video of Tyler or a clip or a photo of Tyler during spring ball. And like his lower half has gotten a lot thicker in terms of like his overall development. Uh, So that was very encouraging. Like 
he has muscular thighs. You know, we were talking about thighs, Mike, before we went on air. But uh, <laughs> no context. Either. But uh, but uh, he uh, yeah, he like he looks a little bit more rugged, a little bit more stout. Meanwhile, Drew Pine still hasn't eclipsed two hundred pounds. Even with that gut, he's still not two hundred north of two hundred pounds. Damn. So it's true. He's like one hundred ninety six pounds. So uh, you know, I'm off the Drew Pine bandwagon not that i was ever on it but yeah he's a he's a good backup and i just think that he had a he had a shot to kind of let that moxie kind of come through and and make some plays and he looked hesitant and um you know it was just kind of a it was it was it was tough i mean and jelly look and jelly look great i mean pine's gonna be your backup because it's gonna take time for steve to develop and learn that playbook but um just from a pure passer standpoint, kind of looking the part. And that's a lot of what spring the spring game is. You know, I tweeted about this at some point, Mike, when I was watching the NFL Combine, like with high school kids in particular, when they put together their highlight tapes, it's not like, oh, you had a catch for a touchdown. What that college coach is, not the play itself, isn't what's being evaluated. It's how you sort of looked while making said play. So the spring game, it's like, you, the stats don't kind of matter. I mean, you're looking for execution, but it's like, how did that person look in terms of moving around the tempo that they played with, the energy, the competitiveness? Those are the things that are being evaluated more so than um, the stat sheet. Sure. One one quarterback thing I've been pretty firm on is, uh, is Angeli. That's my boy. I'm a big Angeli fan. I don't know if he's ever going to get a shot at Notre Dame to be the starting quarterback. Um you know, maybe it's through injury. I don't know. Uh, but um, I think. No, he looked, I mean, he looked nice in his high school film and his high school offense doesn't really allow him out to... there, man. Like, yeah. Really calm. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, I'm sure you gave him a, a, a pep talk the night before the game, right? <laughs> no. no, as close as the two you are. That didn't. No. Media is not so allowed to I, talk yeah. to players like that. Come on. No, Mike. I'm just kidding. Of course I'm kidding. Yeah. He, I mean, he looked, he looked the part like, and that's what we're saying. You're just kind of piggybacking off. It's like, how did they look while playing? That's what's being critiqued. And Angeli looked more comfortable, delivered the ball, uh, looked more confident than, than Drew did this time around. Yeah. Guys, make sure you drop super chats. If you want your uh, questions, um, Answered right away for Mr. Goolsby. Uh, hit that thumbs up. Uh, appreciate you guys um, for uh, watching live with us, or watching back, listening via podcast. Um, I believe we even had this as a question. Um, who stood out to you, Mike, on defense? Um, individual performances. I mean, it's a spring game, so I can't imagine there's anything schematically that there's that much different. Um, but any thoughts on, um, you know, some, some defensive players that stood out? Yeah, I've got a little list, Justin Walters. And these are all guys that flashed Justin Walters flashed. I thought the, I thought all of the DBs looked good. Now that could be a byproduct of the opposing receivers they're lined up against, but it was nice to be like, even if uh, even if it's like fake swagger to start seeing some some swagger. Ryan Barnes laid the wood down three times. Brandon Joseph seems to be as advertised. I don't know 
if Brandon's going to play center field quite like Kyle Hamilton did. I mean, very few, if any, can in terms of his range. But he kind of reminded me like a Harrison Smith kind of lurking around the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, I put a little note when I was watching the game, like number 16 is the new number 14 in terms of like just production. Uh, so he he looked as advertised. I thought all the young corners looked great. I mean, Mickey, Jade Mickey picked off a ball in that practice that we got a chance to watch. So I'm optimistic for the first time in a long time about our secondary, but there is a bit of an asterisk just based off of the level of competition they were lining up against in terms of walk-ons, et cetera. But I love the energy and the swagger and even the physicality, the sure tackling um, specifically. Yeah, I mean, Walters looks kind of electric in that way. I thought, again, Jason Anye flashed a little bit. I thought Rubio played really well. Dude, um, Gabriel Rubio's face mask is the best thing in Notre Dame football right now. You know what I'm talking about? I'd have to – I, I miss that, man. I don't know. Because right, you, you have talking. like the crossbar down the middle. You keep talking. I'll bring up a picture of it if I can find one. Um, Riley Mills moves really well. We actually talked a little bit about this over dinner in terms of like, because he's a longer torso guy in terms of like his ability to bend. But he looked great. Uh, Aaron's Berger looked great. These are all guys that have just had size between Rubio, Mills, and Aaron's Berger. And that's one of the things along with talent on the edges that Notre Dame's going to need to to compete at a high level in those big time games. Um, obviously, Junior Tui Alamaka played well. I thought Will Schweitzer flashed. Uh, I thought all the linebackers good. It was nice to see Batello out there competing. Um, and some of the some of the linebackers that they that they ran with, you know, with J.D. Bertrand being out. Oh, yeah, it's old school, dude. I play with a guy, B.J. Scott. B.J. Scott, number 93 back in the day, he had that same face. When, when I was in high school, some of – I mean, a lot of like the – when I played ball, like a lot of the, the you know, the third, fourth stringers, you know, the JV guys that maybe, uh, you know, we're, we're up – you know, this is what they were. We called it a dookie stick. <laughs> I believe – well, that's that South Florida right there. But I believe um, – <laughs> McGlinchey, McGlinchey wore a face mask like that when he played here. I think he still does in the NFL. Funny story about that crossbar. My freshman year of high school football, 13-year-old Mike Goolsby running around, I had one of those shitty face masks. And then – because I was afraid of contact the whole first year that I played football. And then my sophomore year, they gave me one without that. And I was, like, extra afraid to hit people for a little bit because I didn't have that, you know, security blanket with that crossbar. So – um, I'll say this, like the, uh, the linebackers as a whole, they look so much bigger than what we've seen in the past with JD not playing JD small. I got a chance to be around him on the field specifically Thursday. That's like, cause I kind of want to just stand next to some of these players just to gauge them. JD's small. Um, and we're like with that nice lineup of like Marist junior Jordan Botello completely different body types than having Drew White, J.D. Bertrand, and whom Jack Kaiser out there. So that's really nice to see kind of that evolution. Um, we'll, obviously, we'll talk about linebackers. I bumped into Nolan Ziegler in the football building. Much bigger kid, Mike, than I thought he was in terms of, like, his neck and his frame. I mean, he'll add musculature to, like, his limbs, but he's a bigger frame kid than, I, than, I, than he looked like when you watch his high school film. They moved him to Mike already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's a dude that, I mean, we talked about it on the podcast. Like you could just see he's been coached well. I know he's got football in his blood. 
Um, he has a really good feel for the game. So to put him at Mike in terms of getting guys lined up, which is a generically speaking, that's kind of a company's playing that position. I can see it. All those linebackers, bro, like even when you talk to them, they're all seem to be cross training to some degree. Yeah. It's like I'm Mike, but I kind of play Will. Uh, like, and that's the way it really should be. And then all the different pressures that we can bring. So, you know, they're, they're going to have a, a position on a depth chart, but there's absolutely, you can transfer a Mike can go play. Will Will can go play Rover. You're going to see a lot of that. I would assume it sounds like it anyway. What, what are you drinking, Mike? Oh, oh it's a seltzer. <laughs> someone made a, someone had a, a comment asking, uh, See if I can scroll up and find it. I kind of chuckled about what kind of beer it was. I can't find it, but um, yeah, I figured I might be drinking seltzer. What 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 brand? This is uh, these are delicious. If you ever come across these quirks, it's from Boulevard Brewing. It's a Kansas City. I mean, this is the best seltzer out there. My favorite right now is Topo Chico. It's pretty good. Yeah, a little gimmicky. Little gimmicky. This is the best. It's got actual okay. fruit juice in it. All right, put that I'm... down. We're not we're not paying them for this advertising space. We're done talking about them. <laughs> well, they asked the question. I'm just kidding, Mike. I'm glad I'm not with you right now because you probably grab me by the throat for for snapping. Yeah, well, I'm man. I'm man enough to drink seltzer, man. Oh, me you too. Know? I'm I'm shocked. I'm drinking a beer right now. I'm kidding, sort of. All right, Goolsby, did you get to talk to Wes Pritchett? Oh yeah. So uh, that's funny. I introduced myself to Wes and I was like, man, I do this podcast, message board, whatever. I was like, I've had more than one person tell me uh, that I needed to meet you. I was like, we must have similar personalities or something. He was like, oh, what did he say? He was like, I feel, he's like, if you got the same personality as me, he's like, I feel bad for you. And he just kind (laughs) of had a chuckle. So yeah, he's, so yeah, we, we, uh, you know, rubbed elbows a couple of times, but actually, yeah, I made it a point to go out and, and meet Wes for sure. Okay. Um. Yeah. Josh says uh, impression of the linebackers corpse thinks that they're fast and aggressive, which kind of touched on that, but Notre Dame kind of feels like it's, it's coming up a little bit as a, a linebacker. You, you got Marcus Freeman linebacker, Al golden defense coordinator, linebackers coach. Your defensive line coach, Al Washington, was a former linebackers coach at Ohio State. Just uh, feels like it's got a good linebacker thing going right now. My whole thing since Freeman got hired was like, I don't know how long Freeman's going to be here, but I know he's going to leave the linebacker court uh, core in a really good position. And when I said that, I didn't think Freeman was going to become the Notre Dame head coach in a year. But yeah, it feels like linebacker. I mean, if you look at 2023, good little class going. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um and that's the fun part where you, you know, you're concerned when you're bringing in all these high level guys as the transfer portal, you know, if a four ish star guy gets brought in and he's not seeing the field, but I, I again, I think with as, as multiple as we're going to be on defense and the interchangeability in terms of like different guys having multiple skill sets, I feel like everybody's going to get a, a chance to play, but I think gone are the days of, the uh, sort of short-armed, you know, tough, like smart guys. It's like, no, we're recruiting. And you'll hear about it, I mean, over the course of like the NFL draft, like, you know, you're recruiting these different body types and these different traits. Um, and we're starting to see more and more of those guys. 
Jalen Sneed's small. I mean, he's he's Jalen Sneed looks like a running back or something when you when you meet him. But I'm I'm encouraged by that. Oh, and also Prince Kali is another one where it's like watching the game. I think he's still kind of figuring out. He's he's not uh, running himself out of out of place. He's just sort of it takes him, and maybe they're being taught that to kind of pat pat and process before they move. But physically, Prince Kali is like the modern day Will. I mean, almost to a T. Like if you drew him up, I mean, he looks crazy good in person physically. Yeah, he did look good. Yeah, dude, I like him. Okay, uh, Susan asks, was Notre Dame your first choice? Any other schools that you really liked? When you were a recruit? So I had, uh, so to answer Susan's question, so another fun thing that I got to do over the course of the weekend was have beers with um, a former defensive coordinator, defensive line coach, Greg Madison, who, you know, went from Notre Dame to, in no particular order, Florida, Baltimore Ravens, Michigan, Ohio State. Guy's a hell of a coach, hell of a person, 72 years old, retired after 50 years of coaching. So he came out and had a couple beers with Kyle Buddensack and myself. And that was kind of fun to sort of relive like each one of our recruitments. And Coach Madison had recruited me, and I was a big recruit at the time. Uh, to answer Susan's question, I didn't really consider anybody else once Notre Dame came into the fold. And a, lot, a lot of that was largely due to Coach Madison, the proximity to home. You know, I grew up an Irish Catholic kid. My grandparents got me Notre Dame gear every Christmas. I mean, my other top two was like Michigan State, Miami, Ohio State, top top two to five. Like South Carolina was in my top five because of Lou Holtz, and that was like via proxy to Notre Dame. I mean, you know, so – but now once Notre Dame came in the picture for a kid like me, I was basically uh, signed, sealed, and delivered. Another question from Susan and we're full into question mode. Drop super chat. We'll probably take another. We'll take another five minutes of questions or so. Uh, so get a super chat in now to guarantee we'll take your question. Susan says, um, "Hello, Susan. By the way, any offensive critiques besides the quarterbacks? Critiques, not necessarily, because it was it was kind of a makeshift operation. Off the top of my head, Susan, I'm on the fence about." Dion Colsey, I know there's some really big expectations for Dion. I feel like he needs to continue to like understand how to compete, and I don't want him to be like so many of these uh, Kevin Austin. It took him four and a half years to kind of figure out how to compete if he ever truly did figure it out in terms of like the tempo. But he looked good. But that's a small critique there. I could still see kind of remnants of him like not going 100 miles an hour consistently. I thought Logan Diggs looked a little puffy to me. Um, It looked like he put on like maybe a little bit of bad weight between when we saw him last. That would be a critique. But that's about it. I mean, everything else I think is forgivable. The offensive line play wasn't great. um, But it's we're still in the early stages of them kind of gelling. So that's my... uh, my two critiques. So most people, so so the the offense for the most part gets a pass, except for Drew Pine because of his shirt was rolled up a little too much. I I, I get it. Uh, like exactly, <laughs> but that's how I feel. That's fine. You draw attention. You draw attention to yourself. Um, you know, you f with the bull, you're gonna get the horns, dude. That's how I feel about it. Okay, I understand. 
overall, Mike, what was your favorite moment from the weekend being back in South Bend for the legacy weekend? Well, so it would either be, so this is the thing they had a, they had a, uh, they had a, that former player cocktail hour, you know, in the old, what used to be our old meeting room right off of the locker room there in the stadium. It's now something else. So like Rocket Ishmael was there and uh, I never formally met Rocket, but this is the answer to the question. I never formally met Rocket. So, but prior to that and way back in 2002, when we had that great defense, we we're having that great run with Coach Willingham in his first year, Rocket was working for ESPN. He had said something, you know, kind of made a disparaging comment against Notre Dame on ESPN. And I caught him in the tunnel at Michigan. This is it. We're playing Michigan State. I caught him in the tunnel. And I kind of gave him the business in the tunnel, like, you know, because he said X, Y, and Z about Notre Dame football program. We weren't going to win the game, whatever the case was. And uh, I sat down with a group of my former teammates and Rocket was there. Rocket looked at me. And Rocket went right into that story about how I had kind of basically MF'd him in the tunnel. And then my my teammate Preston Jackson had the presence of mind to actually videotape it, like this back and forth exchange between Preston me was and back Rocket. This weekend. Yeah, Preston was back. Yeah, he's a Florida guy. Yeah, I know Preston. So that was that was the highlight of the weekend for me, was like Rocket telling this story where he, you know, he felt pressure to say some stuff by the producers of ESPN and then how kind of embarrassed I was that I got so worked up that I MF'd him in the tunnel, but he understood because it was like a family member. It was a kind of a really beautiful moment that I never, I never met Rocket before. He instantly remembered the story. We both kind of apologized to each other and we both understood at the same time. So that was really unique. And no, I will never give anybody that video to like live on the internet forever, you know, except for me. that Preston filmed. Except for me. Well, you don't have my permission to post it. <laughs> All good. Um, but that was a highlight. He remembered that moment. Instantly, dude. And it was I you. I sat down next to him. He looked over his shoulders like, Goolsby, man. And I literally started saying like, oh, I love you. Because we were both, you know, had a couple beers, had a couple And you remember that like, moment vividly. And Yes. But he started going into it. I was like, man, I love you for what you're about to get into. And then I was like, I love you for this. And then he gets into the story. Preston whips his phone out. But the crazy thing is, Mike, is like none of my team – and it wasn't that big of a deal. It was kind of like I was running up the tunnel. I saw him and I was like – gave him the business. But nobody else ever knew that that ever happened. Like none of my teammates, not, nobody – it was between Rocket and I and he remembered it. We got to relive it. It was kind All of right. funny. I think next time we have you on – I think we're trying to have you on about monthly during the offseason. we got to get Preston back on here because he, he did a show with us a couple of years ago when we started out. Um, yeah when Notre Dame got great Phillip dude Riley, one of my favorite one of my favorite teammates yeah that's right yeah Philip Riley yeah I've known Preston for about a decade when I started doing this and um you know covering football recruiting and living in the Tampa area big county preps and Preston Jackson that's that's a huge deal um so uh, yeah, he started all. that all on his own very all impressive yeah he's a rock star okay uh got a couple more questions queued up this is a really good memory by Chris um, he says, um, you know, regarding Michigan state, you said they're notorious previously for playing dirty. Did you know that when you were considering, was it Michigan state or was that Boston college? Was it Michigan state was notorious? No, Michigan state. I used to say is like the Florida state of the Midwest in okay. terms of like the character of the team. Yeah. And they had a center. I don't remember his number, but he would always 
come out to the second level and he would grab your face mask. You know, so did you know like all this when you were considering the them? No, I didn't. I mean, Nick Saban was the head coach at Michigan State at that time. So that's probably more so than anything why. And they did a good job recruiting and they were kind of close. I mean, like, folks, I can't tell you how, for a kid that had 30-something scholarship offers, how naive we were. It was like, is it within driving distance? Like, we'll go check it out. It's like, oh, well, now they're in my top five because I actually went there. You know, it was A little bit different. A little bit different than today. So Nick Saban recruited you. Yeah. How did I not know this? You never asked? <laughs> what was that like? Do you remember Nick Saban recruiting you? Um, um, I remember I was like more in awe. And this, again, you're such a young kid. And kids are so far, so much further ahead than I was. But like, I remember TJ Duckett was there. And TJ Duckett was a beast. He was like a 250-pound running back. I was more impressed by TJ Duckett's celebrity than I was Coach Samet. But, yeah, I sat down and watched a basketball game with him. You know, we spent a – and we it was like Michigan State versus Wisconsin. I mean, I would say that Coach Samet at that time had the same personality right. or charisma that Freeman does. It was almost more intimidating for a kid like me. But um, he was a good coach. You could see that. Okay. All right, last question we're going to get out of here. Of course, naturally, when we uh... – we hit a record high, I think, for the show. So make sure you guys, if you're just joining us, you can just replay it. Or just I'm at, Mike, I'm in no hurry if we've got more questions. Fire right. away, though. People, fire away. I got a bunch of crap to do, but hey, we'll, 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 go, we'll go for a few more minutes. People want to, want to talk. Uh, K-Max says, um, other than playing football, what did you like most about being at Notre Dame? And did you even like playing football at Notre Dame? That, that was my question there at the end. While I was there, while I was there, that's tough to say. I mean, off the top of my head, the campus and like the proximity to home. But I was one of those guys where I was like, I don't have the bandwidth, Mike, to probably do much, (laughs) to do much in addition to football. So it was like, yeah, it was football, campus, um, you you know, my teammates. I mean, that was my world. So yeah, I would say the proximity to home if I had to, if I had to answer. Okay. While I was there, in hindsight, different story. But go ahead. I love it. <laughs> what? T- tell me about like I, we've talked about this before many times, but coming out of this legacy weekend, like how do you feel about like I interview so many recruits, Mike and you know, a lot of what they say about when I ask them what they like about Notre Dame is, um, you know, that network, that Notre Dame degree, that's legit. The Notre Dame network is legit. Is it like in, you've been graduated there for what, 15, 16, 17 years, whatever it is. Like, is that, is it real? It's absolutely real. And this is another thing that I tried to share with the kids that I met. It's like on one hand, You've got, and this is a lot of it depends on how you were sort of, how you grew up and what kind of models you had growing up, right? Like we're a pretty blue collar family. So like some of that, there's like an intimidation factor with how do I plug myself into this Notre Dame network? I don't even know how to network. You understand? So it's like, you understand the concept of like the four for 40 and what the the power of the Notre Dame network and the success stories and the people that have influence, et cetera. But it's like, how do I go from here and jump into the 
into that network. Like, how do I logistically do that? And so I asked a couple kids, like um, Joe Wilkins was sitting at my table. I was like, if your football career ended tomorrow and you wanted to go work in sales, do you know what you would do, right? And it's like, uh, kind of wishy-washy. It's like, well, take my cell phone number. You know, it's like, if and when you ever need some insight, call, call people. Like, it's okay to do because I was in your shoes. A lot of us were in your shoes at one point. So absolutely, the network's real, but you have to learn how to work the network. And I didn't probably learn that until I was in my late 20s, early 30s, where you really grabbed hold of it. So, and that's the other thing, too. And this is, like, wide open, but, like, there's a certain level of, like, shame that I felt where it's like the NFL didn't work out the way that I intended it to, Mike. And I was almost embarrassed to reach out to the network for a long time because what was going on in my own head, you feel me? So it was like, and that was entirely my doing where it's like nobody in the Notre Dame world looked at you as any sort of a failure. They were there to catch you with open arms. So it's there to work for you, but you got to be, you got to make yourself accessible and available and, and vulnerable too, man. So it's like, Hey, a lot of these kids have my number. I'm not some big shot, but like I can, I'll do what I can to to help you work through that post football process. So it's absolutely real. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's not like a, you'd have like a Notre Dame football alumni directory of sorts. I feel like that could help. I think you just reach out to people you want to reach out to. And that's, well, this is what we're talking about though, man. I mean, this is year one of Freeman's tenure. This is year one of Hunter Bivin trying to grab this thing by the horns. Um, and that's why I felt like, you know, when I mentioned like that bat signal going up, I felt a sense of duty. And I know a lot of these guys did to come back and like, we're here to do whatever you need us to do. Like, we, you know, we're, uh, and so why? what will this, what, what will this evolve? Cause it's fucking Notre Dame, Mike. Okay. I got to put this episode as explicit on podcast, apparently. Sorry. Well, you, yeah. I mean, it's just like, um, just but that, that's all I could tell you. So we'll see what this kind of evolves into. And yeah, football alumni directory sounds a Facebook group. I mean, I think it's, it's limitless, but you got to have a jumping off point and this is where we're at. And I'm excited to see where it's at, you know, five, 10 years from now. All right. Got a couple of recruiting questions. Um, I think this is more for me from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. How big Keon Keeley is in person? You didn't get to see Keon Keeley, did you, this weekend? Yes. You did? Uh, yeah, tall and long. I mean, like I said, these guys, uh, they're tall and long. That's all I could tell you. They're like, I mean, there's a, it obviously depends on by the position group, but you get around like the defensive ends and the offensive linemen, and it's like, it feels like you're walking amongst trees. And I'm a tall 6'3, six, 6'4. Six, and I'm like, yeah, they're all just they all they all look like power forwards, like big power forwards. Yeah, yeah. I spent about thirty minutes with Keon on Sunday when I was in South Bend um, after mm-hmm. his visit wrapped up, and um, he keeps getting bigger every time I see him. But yeah, he's like six six. You know, he's like two thirty five, two forty two forty five maybe. But the I'm telling you, I saw Josh Burnham again this weekend. That kid is so freaking big. Like he, he is the one that's just like holy crap. Like you, it's a big dude. Um, but again, it's the shoulders and then the small waist makes him, he literally looks like an action figure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, name two recruits you really want on the team for 2023. How about Dante Moore? You know, um, I think that's a given. And I really want, 
Uh, it's tough between like a Rodney Gallagher and a Christian Gray. Gallagher, Mike, is like a 5'11 dynamic slot receiver. Um, and Gray is, you know, 5'11, um, really fluid, really smart cornerback. I think, you know, you yeah. look at how talented those two dudes are um, and the position of need. I would uh, probably one of those two games. Or, excuse I'll me, second that. Games. I'll co-sign on that with you, Mike. And then, you know, obviously, you know, the quarterback. Um, Chris says that was the best response ever because it's effing Notre Dame. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was legendary, but. All right, good stuff. Well, uh, appreciate you guys joining live with us. Um, appreciate you watching back. We appreciate you listening via podcast. Make sure you go to uh, blueandgold.com, $1 for one year of premium access. You get all the recruiting scoop, all of the premium team information, all that good stuff, access to our message board. I'm on there, on that board, taking questions um, and, and bickering with people. More than I would like to admit, so um, get access to me all the time. Hardest working man in showbiz over here, folks. Yeah, I got a few. What's your Mike? What's your middle? What's your middle name, Mike? Do you have a middle name? Why? Don't tell me, dude. Leave me hanging. What is it? It's Theodore. (laughs) Of course it is. Nice. Well, what's yours? Richard, dude. A nor- yeah, a nice strong name, Richard. <laughs> hey, if the shoe fits. fits. Sure. <laughs> Why'd you want to know my middle name? I just because Michael Theodore Singer, the hardest working man in show business. That's me, named after my late great great grandfather. So, um, oh, it's nice. Yeah. All well, right. we getting out of here, dude. Yeah, we're getting out of here. Appreciate you guys watching. Um, yeah, bloomgold.com, Head there and. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we won't have a Tim Hyde show Wednesday. I'm traveling. We'll be back next week. Goolsby will be at be um, doing some shows with us periodically. Maybe have like a recruiting show sometime soon, Mike, with recruiting really heating up. And then, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, if, if Mike is on board, we'll have a weekly during the football season um, after some That's games. what we're doing. Yeah, I'm planning on it. All right. Sounds good. All right, guys. Appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.